Mom, that one family is so strict. They aren't even allowed to say sh. Hey, watch your mouth. Church, church, church. All they do is go to church. Can't they miss just once? They won't go to the movie because they say there's bad stuff in it. What is wrong with them? We know people make fun of our family, but we can't worry about what people think. We're more concerned about what God thinks. Awesome. Well, welcome to church. Good to see everybody here this morning. I want to start by saying hi to Kim and Kevin, all the people up at Life Church Midcoast. It's great to be with you guys. And this series is especially a blessing for Kim and Kevin, the Bless This Home series. If you don't know our pastors up in the Midcoast, uh, they are... So in love, it's almost nauseating, quite no, it honestly. It is nauseating. It yeah. is nauseating. You ever seen those, those, those mittens where the two people put their hands it's a in smitten, one so mitten? You can a hold smitten. Hands. They wear a smitten all the time. They're just so cute. Hey, we love you guys, and it's just good to be with you. And this series, Bless This Home, is all about having the happy home that God wants us to have. And whether your home is just you, or if there's a hundred of you, hundred of you packed in there, God wants you to be happy. You want to be happy. And for four weeks, we've been saying this, that if we're going to have that happy home, we're going to need to be more than just a Christian family. We're going to have to be a Christ-energized home. There's more to this than just believing in Jesus. Notice that scripture. By the way, in your uh, bulletin are some notes that have all the scriptures I'm going to be sharing are on these notes. So I hope you'll pull that out so you can follow along and look at the word of God today. But notice a scripture right under that in Romans. God says this. Don't, now, keep in mind, he's writing to Christians. Okay, the Bible, he's, he's writing to believers, and notice what he says. Two believers don't copy the behavior and customs of the world. It's entirely possible to believe in Jesus, but still act just like the world around you. He says, but let God transform you. You heard that phrase before? Everybody say transformed lives. Have you ever heard that phrase before? Hopefully, that's our vision here at Life Church. Everything we do revolves around seeing your life transformed into the image of Christ, and then ultimately Having affecting people around us into that image. But he says, let God transform you into a new person. Now notice that. That's good news, that transformation isn't, it's not our job. We don't change ourselves. We submit to God. When you open your heart to Christ, he transforms you. He says, let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. That's what God wants. He wants our homes to be good, pleasing, and perfect, just to have awesome places of love and joy. And that's not going to come simple. Notice the first part of that verse. He says, don't copy the behaviors of this world. What is the Bible referring to? The Bible talks a lot about this world. Is he talking about America and Russia and now, when, he, when the Bible refers to the world, it's talking about the system, the way the world, everybody's born into this world thinks. And we're all born into this world thinking the same way. It's really just a simple understanding of me first. That's what the Bible means when it talks about the world. It's that human thinking of just whatever is best for me. Now, that sounds innocent enough. I mean, gosh, I mean, what's wrong with that, Pastor Brian? When we simply put our own desires first, you can't do that for long without eventually stepping on somebody else. Every war that's happened on planet Earth is caused by that right there. Just my desires first, eventually I start stepping on people. That's not the way God wants us. A Christ-energized home, we're going to be, everybody say God first. I hope you'll write that down because that's the life. And why are we God first? 
Well, it's because we know that's what he wants. It makes us miserable, but that's what he wants, right? Is that why? No, because we have learned. Most of us have learned the hard way. It isn't, it isn't required, but most people don't even get into the kingdom until they've learned that that doesn't work. Most of us, we found ourselves in a pig pen at some point realizing this doesn't work. And you wake up and you're like, oh, okay, God, let's do it your way. And that's, that's exactly what Jesus was talking about when he told this story in the Bible. There's a story, and Jesus was telling us what the kingdom of heaven would be like. You know, he's not just talking about in eternity. He's meaning right now, here, for people who find, that kingdom is already here, and for people who find Christ, he says that kingdom of heaven, he said, would be like a, a pearl merchant, somebody who's looking for, and they, they trade in pearls, and he's looking for a special one. And you see it on your notes there. Look at under number two there. Hope you'll follow along with these scriptures under that Christ energized. He said when this, when this pearl merchant found that precious pearl, when he discovered a pearl of great value, he sold everything he owned and he bought it. I'm going to tell you, this is, a, this is a true story, a little embarrassing, but it's true. For about 10 years after I had known Christ and I'm starting to read the Bible, so for 10 years, I mean, I've read the Bible many times by this point. Every time I read that, what Jesus said there, I honestly thought, I mean, I didn't say it out loud, but I thought in my head, that guy's an idiot. I mean, really? He sold everything he owned? He sold his house and now he's got a little pearl? He's an idiot. He's out there in the rain with his pearl. Oh. I'm like, what a knucklehead. Needless to say, he buys me lots of jewelry. <laughs> Her jewelry cabinet is just stocked. <laughs> but nonetheless, it was after about 10 years of that that I, had, I was just in a different place in my life. I was at a different place in my faith. I don't know how, but God had just revealed himself to me in a new way. I just crossed a line where I came to realize that there was more than just believing in Christ, and I just went all in. And it wasn't just a decision I made. I, he just revealed himself further, and I realized that I can really honestly trust God with my whole life. He's that involved right here and right now that I can rest in him. I can have ultimate peace in him. If, I, if I'll work on his building his kingdom, he'll take care of mine. And it was just this switch of just complete trust. And really what had happened... I wasn't reading this when, I, when this happened, but I realized what happened was I found that pearl. That's what Jesus was saying. Well, the next time I came through this passage here in Matthew and I read it, I read it with a new set of eyes and I realized, my goodness, I'm the one, I'm the idiot Jesus was talking about. I'm the guy who didn't get it. See, Jesus, Jesus was making the point that people with a worldly mind will think you're foolish they were thinking you're foolish to, to sell everything to get a pearl. He was intentionally giving this extreme story to say, if you, until you see all that God offers, you're going to think people who go all in are fools. You're going to think they're fools for giving their time, their energy, their heart, their money. You're going to think they're fools because you don't see what they see. But once you finally realize that God offers you more than just a ticket to heaven when you die, his kingdom is already here when you see that and you go all in. You found that pearl and it changes everything. Let me tell you an uh, interesting story. This is a true story. You may have heard it before because I've used it before, but um, this is in the 1930s. A guy's car broke down, middle of a busy intersection. 
and his car broke down, but he's a mechanic, so he knows what he's doing. You know, this thing's broke down before. He's fixed it, so he's fixing it. And a stranger comes up to him and says, well, can I help you? Fix your car. And the guy says, hey, man, I'm a mechanic. I don't need your help. And the guy just sits there for a while and watches him, but he, he's not able to get it fixed. So he says, hey, just let me help you. And the guy finally says, okay. So the guy asks him, you know what, tell me what happened. Tell me what, you know, exactly what sound it would make, all this. And so he explained it to him. The guy says, oh, okay, we'll just do this and that. The guy did those things and bang, the car starts. The guy was so thankful. He's like, you know, hey, man, thank you so much. My name is Leroy. Thank you for your help. And the guy says, hey, nice to meet you. My name is Henry Ford. Shakes his hand. In case, you're not wonder, in case you're wondering, if you're young and you're wondering what your parents just laughed at, Henry Ford was the originator of this car. He designed it. He built it. The Model T. He made it. So, and you know what? We're like that mechanic. You know, we do. We know a lot about our life. And we think, I know what I like. I know what I want. I know what's best. But is it possible there's somebody who knows us better than we know ourselves? and who knows what we want, knows what we need. And when you fully see that and realize that he's that involved to fully take care of every detail of your life, but that only happens when you go all in. You, you start working to build his kingdom instead of taking care of your... Most of us, we're so busy building our own kingdom, we're planning on getting to his sooner or later. I'll help you sooner or later, God, but right now, and as soon as my stuff gets taken care of. No, it never works that way. But when we finally see that, you find that pearl... Well, it causes a change to take place. And when the world sees you, if you've, if you've found that pearl and jumped all in, people who don't understand are going to be uncomfortable with that. They're going to be uncomfortable because that's not, a, they, that's not a lifestyle that they're living and they don't, they're a little bit uncomfortable. And you might face what Jesus said. Jesus said in Matthew 5, if you look on your notes there, Jesus said, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. I think today may be an easier way for us to understand that would be him saying, happy are those who are different enough. You found the pearl, and it's caused you to change, and you're different enough to get misunderstood and even criticized for it. You know, before I had that experience in my life where I really went all in, I was never criticized for my faith, but it's happened several times since because my life has changed. I'm different. I'm not different because I'm trying to be better. I'm different because I found something better. And Jesus said, when you really find that, the world isn't, the worldly minded aren't going to understand that. Raquel's going to share just a little bit about that. Well, I just love that verse in Romans 12 too that Brian is talking about. It says, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. You know, as you get to know God and as you, you're, relationship with him develops and grows, he literally changes the way you think. So, you know, the things of God that you might have thought were crazy before to you just seem normal and right. You know, and in our in our own life, in our own family, we've been misunderstood. We've been criticized for our faith and for what we do. You know, and our, our children have experienced that. You know, because people are going to make fun of things they don't understand. They're going to mock or they're going to bully what they don't understand or maybe what bothers them. You know, in our own family, we've experienced it. You know, in our neighborhood, we've lived there for like about 18 years and we've um, you know, of course, I think everybody knows that we're pastors on our street, and we've tried to be good neighbors, tried to be a good example. We're awesome neighbors. We're not perfect neighbors. I mean, we probably had the police called on us more than anyone else on our street, but mostly just because our kids like to play with the phone and press 911. But, 
So Scarborough Police don't like us much, but we've worked on our neighbors to try and be good neighbors. But, you know, our children throughout the years have played with all the children, you know, on the block. And um, several years ago, our older two children uh, were out playing with the kids, but there's this one couple kids um, on the neighborhood that would never play with our kids. They would play with other kids on the street, but they wouldn't play with ours. And come to find out that they let my kids know that, you know, their parents wouldn't let them play with my kids because we were Christians. They didn't want us to taint them with our Christianity, I guess. And so, you know, we've experienced that. And then, you know, our other son just a few years ago was playing with some other children on the street. And, you know, of his own volition, he just wanted to invite them to church. He wanted them to come and enjoy life camp. We have an amazing children's program, and they have so much fun. He wanted his friends to come with them. So we began, they're like, well, what's that? So we began explaining what it was to them and, um, you know, explaining God. And he started telling them about Jesus. Well, those children went home, told their parents about that conversation. They wanted to come to church with David and their parents said, no, you cannot go to church and you tell David if they want to play with you, he cannot talk to you about God. You know, it's hard to imagine that as a believer, because my faith in God and I just see how good God is, but that's because God has changed the way I think, you know, and for us of faith, you know, to We understand God is good, but those people who are outside of faith and, you know, people who are rejecting faith, that is, it's not good news for them. But, you know, there is the flip side of that coin, too, where you have people that know you and they see your life and they see the difference and they see the good and they're drawn to that. You know, we've had both sides of that coin. People ask us, you know what, tell me about, you know, this joy that you have, this love that you have. You know, regardless of how crazy the world is, you still have a faith and a confidence. So there is a flip side to that, but there definitely is. You are going to be misunderstood and criticized, you know. And in that regard, you should rejoice in the fact that you are living your life different than the world. Now, if we do that, again, we're going to be different and we're going to end up with what we call a Christ energize home. And that's going to really going to play out. And we're just going to be talking for the rest of the message about what, what is different. Now, let's be clear. We're not setting the rules of life church. We're just going to share a few things from, from our home. I, I think it's because we found that pearl. We went all in and th- some things are different, but it really breaks down into a couple of categories that we're going to value different things in the world. And the first one is just simply the fact that we're going to value God and living for his favor. We realize that that's what works. So we value his favor and that causes us to live different and our children end up growing up a lot different than the people around them. That's right. And so we need to ask ourselves the question, you know, am I, are we living life in such a way that shows that we value God, that we value the things that God values? Are we living life in such a way that people recognize that we are different. You know, God has given us a lot of direction in his word on how we're supposed to live our life. You know, but as far as some specifics, you know, how you have your family time and different, you know, rules in your home, that not necessarily is that lined out, but a, a lifestyle, a way of living is. And then for, in our home, we have, you know, come up with certain standards and certain, we've raised the bar to a certain level where we feel as a family, this is how we're going to live. And our children that have all, you know, live in our home, we, they are, have to rise to this bar, this standard that we've set while they're in our home. Now, once they're of age and they leave, 
they can make their own choices, but we've determined in our home this is the way we're going to live. And just, I'm just going to share some of the things that we do. It may not be what you have to do, but um, it just gives you an idea. So for us, one of the things, we are a Christian family, and we, our kids and us, we are going to go to church every weekend. Now, you might be saying, well, you kind of have to go to church. This is true now, but before we were pastors, you know, before I met Brian, before, you know, long before we even thought of ministry together, I I was in church every weekend. And before we met, I was not only was I a part of a church community, but I was a part of a small group and I was serving on a ministry team. So I had all those in place long before we became pastors. So you can't discount my words now just because we're pastors, all right? So one of the things that we require our children to do, they ha- they have to come to church. They're in our home, they're living in, you know, under us financially, they are a part of a Christian church. You know, fortunately, we have such a great children's program. It wasn't ever an issue. Our kids loved coming to church. They wanted to bring their friends, you know. So that's one of the things that we do as a family. Another thing we do as a family is that we pray together. Now, I recognize a lot of people struggle praying and especially praying out loud. You know, that can be daunting. And I can concur because I was the same way, you know. But the only thing that's going to help you overcome that is by doing it. So you need to, you know, if it's something that you do once a week or once a day, you know, once a month, as a family, get together and have just quick family prayer time. They're not always going to look pretty or end well, but, you know, just the fact that you do it with consistency, you know. And then in our home, our children have chores. They have responsibilities. They have a part that they need to play in our home, and it's required. They do chores. My kids have been doing chores since they were, like, three years old. So, you know, it's important for us that our kids have a sense of responsibility, a, a bar that is set fairly high that because you know what kids are going to rise to wherever you set that bar right they're going to come under it you know at any point so just set it high so you can get them to rise to a higher uh, level and so we believe that honoring these are ways that we honor God in our home and we want children our children you know to be on that path we want to set the example now if you have teenagers and maybe you haven't set some of these things in place or maybe you're in the process of trying your teenagers are going to complain and gripe, okay? They are going to complain and gripe. But you know what? No matter what it is you set before them to do, they're going to complain and gripe about it. So you may as well set God in there and let them complain and gripe about coming to church. Let them complain and gripe about coming to trick or trunk or whatever it is. Because teenagers, that's just what they do. It's in their DNA. You know, when my kids were little, everything about church was amazing. You know, everything about family night was amazing. But as they got a little older and became teenagers... We've tried different things throughout the years. Yeah, and And we have four kids. We've got an older set, our two guinea pigs, and then we have a younger set. You know, (laughs) we made all our biggest mistakes on our older one, just different mistakes on our younger ones. But, you know, they, you know, no matter what it was, teenagers are going to find a reason to complain. But, but let me show you the flip side of that and encourage you, you know, as our older two, they're out of the home now, you know, I get the calls now from my older child saying, hey, when are you going to do this family event? I want to be home for it. You know, put this on the calendar. So he's coming back around, you know, to seeing, you know what? Yeah, things he would have complained things about he complained he about home. as a teen. He wants to come home for He it. wants to come home, you know, from college and join in. So there is a flip side. You just have to endure those teen years of, you know, you're now stupid and you don't know anything with your children. But that's short-lived. So just keep 
pressing on, let them complain and gripe. But you set the, fa- the standards high in your home of how you're going to just, live. Just be clear. We're not, she's not saying that everything is complaining. They're not complaining about everything. The kids love us. More than he wants to admit. They, 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 I'm not saying they don't. But <laughs> the way you make it sound is that's all they do, but nonetheless. They're teenagers. And it does happen. <laughs> So, but, and then, you know, for our kids to see that we value certain things and we value people in our home and our children recognize that we're going to value one another. You know, some, we've set some things in place to make sure that our kids see that we value them. You know, we spend time with them. We make sure we have a, a family night. You know, we'll take one of our kids out individually a couple times a year and do just a date with them. We have four, so, you know, you can only spread it out so much. But the less kids you have, the more you can do individually. You know, and we make sure that we have a family meal at least three or four times a week together. We sit down, have a meal without the TV, without the phones. Those are all put aside for these meal times. And, you know, when the kids were younger, we used to kind of have, they like to compete, of course, kids. But we used to have this, what was the best thing about your day and what was the worst thing about your day during meal time? And they would all share the best or the worst, and then we'd vote and who had the worst or who had the best event for the day, you know, just whatever, just to get conversation going and, you know, to have, you know, a game night, a family night. We used to have, and we still do occasionally have a game night where we um, force our children to play a game with us. <laughs> I pulled one while Raquel was gone uh, for a week. She had a family member pass away and two weeks ago was gone. And so I had the kids, the two youngest ones, all to myself, you know, 15, 13. My children told me never to leave them alone with them again. And I have a tendency, I have a tendency to go a little bit overboard, but I'm like, this is daddy time. So I went, I collected the phones and I turned off everything electronic and we're going to connect. <laughs> so we did a lot, we had a lot of time together. We really did. And uh, one night... It's, it's embarrassing that I didn't recognize it sooner, but I thought, because I thought I was enjoying it. I was like, kids, we're going to play a game. You just go upstairs and you pick the game. So we're halfway through the game before I realized they are just totally messing with me because we were playing Candyland. <laughs> if you don't know Candyland, that's the game for about like a five-year-old. And I just thought, hey, man, you know, they're just picking this. They want to enjoy it. So I think we're having fun. They're I'm like, 13 oh. and 15. 13, what they did I say? They picked the quickest game possible. You oh, didn't say their age. So I'm like, oh, I landed on Gloppy. And I, about half that time I realized, they're laughing at me. <laughs> but they'll remember it. They'll remember it. And they'll remember that family time. And they'll also remember when you force them to go to, um, on a long drive to go look at the leaves. And so Dave Rebecca in the car. Season. And, you know, he's colorblind. And my children are very well aware of this. So as they're driving down the road, you know, he's not that colorblind. I I could tell some trees were awesome. He's very colorblind. So he was saying, look at that tree. Isn't it beautiful? Look at that. And Dave and Rebecca were like, dad, those are all brown. They're all brown. (laughs) They had him going for a while. So, you know, they weren't, and they finally admitted it to me. but. But the point is, you know, you set up some plans and patterns of family time. You know, we, we've had game time. And, you know, and sometimes you just need to reassess. I know, you know, with our kids, we'll get busy with life and we let some things fall aside. And then we realize, wait a minute, you know, we really haven't been connecting. We've, there's been a lot of electronic or what, you know, a lot going on. So there's times as parents, you just kind of need to reassess where you're at as your kids grow and age, you know, and choose different family um, events and different things to do. But I just want to encourage you, have some things in place that you're doing regularly as a family. And, and to show your kids that not only you value them, but then you value other people. You know, one of the requirements in our home is that you serve on a ministry team. 
all of our kids have served on a ministry team while they were living in our home. And when they would come to church, they'd go to a service and they would serve a service. So all of our kids are on a ministry team. They recognize that we are praying for one. You know, our kids, when they fill out their connection cards, they are, have people that they are regularly praying for. So our kids see us living a life where we serve others. We pray for others. We care for others. You know, and, and long before we got married, we determined that we were going to give our tithes and offerings, that we were going to do that as a pattern, and we set that in place. And, you know, we require that of our children. We require our children to give and serve. You know what? When they leave our home, they can do what they want. But when they're in our home, you know, we've determined these are the things that we're going to hold them to. You know, and we want them to see us as a married couple striving to be better, striving to grow and to serve. And, to, you know, our kids know that we have a date night once a week that we get away from our kids. You know, sometimes, you know, it's nothing great. Sometimes we just go to the basement and hang out together, watch a movie, you know. just It's a finished basement. It's not so bad. But sometimes somebody's tight with a, money and they don't want to go a, out to eat. It's a cheap date. It's a cheap date. But, you know, there are things that you need to do to, to grow as an individual, to grow as a family, and to grow as a married couple. And I'm just going to throw this out there. If you are married, and this is not me talking By the way, this is God talking. Okay, so I'm not saying this. This is what God says in his word. But if you are married, you need to have sex with each other. If you're not. I don't remember that word. (laughs) Enough. (laughs) I was expecting several amens. I didn't hear any amens out there. I was expecting like people to call it towels. All right, let me get through this. And if you're not married, you need to stop. All right, I'm just saying that. That's just I didn't. I did not know that was in her notes. Saturday night was the first. We have three services, so the first time she shared that, I was just shocked that that was in her notes, and I, I just lost. I just laughed. It took about five minutes to get the service back on the tracks because everybody was. Are you done? I'm done. All right. I'm going to get a lot of mileage out of though for years to come. I'm like, you know, I remember a good sermon one time. Yes, in our home we bash each other with the Bible. Yeah. <laughs> Of what God said you're supposed to do. So, but I'm just throwing that out there. That's what God says. And you know what? When you raise the bar and live the life according to what God says and God's plan, you discover that you're going to have more peace. You're going to have more joy and more grace and energy for life when you follow God's path. You know, and hopefully we're clear that it's not being different that makes you a Christian. I hope you're not hearing that. Well, these are not the life church rules Again, it's not being different that makes you a Christian. You don't change enough. You're not different enough. And God says, no, they're in. No, no, it's the reverse. We're different because we've found that pearl. Christ has has revealed himself to us. We've opened up and and things change and and you're different. And look at, again, look at your notes here under A, under number four here now. We value God's favor. Why? Why? Well, just, can we read that scripture? Psalms 23.1. Can we read that aloud? The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. Let's read that aloud together one more time. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. That will change you. When you actually realize that, that God, he's my shepherd. He's taking care of me. He's responsible. I'm his property. I have all that I need. You quit being such a stress basket. And life takes on a different picture. And there's times maybe you don't have something and you just enjoy, enjoy God's grace. And that will change you. Things start being different. Notice the quote under that. I love this quote. 
The man is richest whose pleasures are cheapest. I think you get the point. He's just saying when you learn to enjoy God, when the grace of God becomes your joy, man, that's rich. And that is, that's the life that God wants us to live. Now, when we talk about valuing people, what's different when you value people, let's be clear. Everybody in the world would say they value people. There's nothing inherently Christian about loving people. So what is the difference? Well, until you find that pearl, until you find peace, quite honestly, you're too stressed to truly connect with people. You can't stop long enough. You can't stop running enough to connect, to really honestly spend time, to value people. You're just too, there's some motor going on in your head that just won't stop and you're just too busy. You're too stressed. You're too pushed. You don't, you, sometimes you can't even put your finger on it, but you're just, you, you love these people, but there's like a wall in between you. And it's just simply the fact that you're just running. Jesus said, pagans run. Well, it's entirely possible to believe in him and still be running just like a pagan because you really haven't, you're not resting in God yet. And notice the, uh, we're not going to look, look at all, but look at the scripture underneath that. First um, Peter 3, that scripture This was specifically written to husbands in the same way you husbands must give honor to your wives. Treat your wife with understanding. When you say the word, say understanding. If you look at this in all different translations, the original Greek, it's it's really specific what God is telling men to do. He's telling men to study, to to figure your wife out. It's exactly what he's telling them to do. Now, We'll talk to the men for just a minute, but let me just share this because, again, this verse of Scripture is written to men, but here, women, here's how this verse should help you because here's a thought that most women will have at least one time in your life. You will have this Multiple thought. Multiple times. At least once you'll have this thought. Obviously, he sees our needs. He just doesn't care. Obviously, he sees the problem. He, he sees what's going on. He just doesn't care. Ladies, can I help you out? Uh, there's a fair amount of time we don't see it at all. <laughs> and that is a slightly more forgivable offense. Now, God's not saying, because men, because you don't see it, you get a free pass. You get a je- get out of jail free card, you know? You get to just check out. No, God is acknowledging that there's much more of that in men. I mean, there's there, that, there's that, Part of the sin nature exists in women as well, but there's usually, more often than not, they're a little bit more naturally inclined to, to be connected to their environment around them. Men, we have an ability to just, man, we've, we've, got, the, we've got needs, we've, we're, we're going to provide, we're going to take care of things, and just get running on that track. Now, here's what's amazing about, a lot of amazing things about this verse, but you know there's only two hindrances to prayer mentioned in the Bible, only two. The first one is mentioned several times, the big one which is unforgiveness. If you're not going to forgive, you're not going to get a lot of grace from God. In God's God's mind, he's forgiven you so much that he he, he thinks you owe it to him, no matter how big you've been hurt. But there's a second one, and you may have never noticed this one, but let's finish this verse. Understand, understanding, treat your wife with understanding as you live together. She may be weaker than you are, but she is your equal partner in God's gift of new life. Treat her as you should. Let's finish the verse together. So your prayers will not be hindered. You see, men men actually pray a lot. 
Ladies think, no, my, my husband hardly ever prays. No, our prayers are, we actually pray, might, might pray more than you. Ours are a lot shorter. Ours are like, help me, Jesus. That's, that's our prayers. But, but we pray a lot. Woo, could use some help down here. You know, especially if we're fixing something. <laughs> we pray. But you know what God is saying here? And what, generally what we're praying about is the needs, getting things taken care of. And what God is saying is, men, wake up. There's something more important than your stuff. There's something more important than your projects, and it's your wife, and it's your kids. And God's saying, if you get that straight, you, you start seeing the way he sees, God says, I'll help you with your stuff. That's why your prayers are being hindered. You're, you've got the priorities out of whack. Get to work on what I'm working on. By the way, do you know that there's only one thing you can take with you to heaven? Did you know that? You'll never see a, a hearse pulling a U-Haul. It's, it's never happened, all right? There's only one thing you can take to heaven, and you know what it is? It's people. You can affect people, and that, first of all, should affect your family. Husbands, men, the first, the first human being that's going to affect, when you start seeing that for what it is, the first person that's going to bless is your wife, okay? Then it's going to bless your children, if you have children, but it's not going to stop there. There's a reason at Life Church we pray for one. That's really the focal point of our, of our mission here. Now, why do we pray for one? I know what you're tempted to say, because you keep telling us to, Pastor Brian. You won't shut up about it. No, that's not the reason we pray for one. The reason that we... Now, by the way, if that's, the only, if that's what it takes to get you started, we'll just do it. But the reason that we pray for one is because we value people. We value what God values. We, we found that pearl and, and we've sold everything for it and now we're all in. And what is that prayer for, prayer for one, by the way? It's this, God, send me one person today to share your love with. You guys know it. Let's pray that right aloud. Let's pray that aloud together right now. Can we do that? God, send me one person today to share your love with. One more time. God, send me one person today to share your love with. If you have a hard time remembering that, by the way, out there in that welcome uh, booth is these blue bands that just say, send me one on them. They're free. Grab one, take it. Just help you to pray that. Why do I pray that every day? Because that's what God values. He cares about that lost sheep. He cares about that one. And you know what I've discovered since I've been praying that? It's a prayer. I'm asking God to do it. God, send me somebody whose heart is open. You see, not everybody is ready. Not everybody's open, but God knows who is. And he has interesting ways of opening doors to the right people at the right time. And I found this shocking thing to happen. When I start praying that, that I start bumping into the right people at the right time, and I have had so many of the most awesome experiences of just what I would call just God conversations. And more often than not, I end the day recognizing God used me. And that, there's nothing better than that. If you're not living with that experience, this thing you call Christian, for too many people, this thing they call Christianity is really nothing more than learning. It's more information. Just give me more information. I got to learn more. I got to find the church that has the right information. Maybe you need to get on the mission and get about the father's business, what he's about. And he's about people. Until you get chasing people with him, the whole thing doesn't make sense. As long as you think Christianity is nothing more than another sermon and more information and deeper learning, you're going to be confused. You're going to be a mess. It's a mission. It's people. 
the people, and it is amazing. And why? Why do we, why do we pray for one? It boils down to this. We put God first, and God cares about people, so we end up caring about people. Why do we bring in 750 blankets? Because you keep telling us to, Pastor Brian, because that's the goal. Hopefully, there's more behind it than just the goal. We actually care about people, right? Why are we attending a life group this week? We're all attending a life group this week, right? Of course we are. Now, if you're here, let me talk to the men. This verse is saying, men, study your wife. In the same way, because it's men who tend to get too driven, and it's the men usually who are saying, I'm just too busy. All right, man, life group, great idea. Great idea, preacher. I'm just too busy. Someday when I retire, I'll get in a life group. Is it pot? Just consider this. What if, what if, what if you put God first and he actually does what he says and he starts helping you with your stuff? Do you think God might have longer arms than you? Do you think he might be able to reach into places? Do you think he might be able to fix things that you've been trying to fix for a long time? Do you think he might be able to make things go a little smoother? Yeah, yeah, he can. So I'm just encouraging you. Just start valuing people. That's going to take some of your time. That's going to take some of the time you've been trying to earn money. It's going to have to start getting invested into people. But when you do that, God says, ah, they get it. And he starts helping you on the back end. You're not going to end up in poverty. You're, you don't run down that road and end up in the poorhouse. That's not how it works. Would you just bow your head and close your eyes with me? I'm just going to pray with you. Friends, here's the heart of this message today, and it's really this, that there is a pearl. Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is like a pearl. That when you find it, you'll sell everything. Now, I'd, I'd known Jesus. I'd been saved for 10 years before I found that pearl, before I really realized, wow, God can take care of everything. I can really go all in. And I wonder if there's anybody here Who'd, who would say today that you, you, maybe you get it, maybe for the first time, you recognize that there's, this is more than a belief pattern. This is more than just believing and having faith. It's, there's an actual all-in trust and resting in God and doing His will first and putting His kingdom first. And you just want that life. If that's you, nobody's looking around. We're just looking down. But for just, just a second, if that's you and you see that in a new way, and this is really revelation to you, and you want that life. If that's you, would you just raise your hand right there where you're seated? Just raise your hand. Father, I just want to pray in Jesus' name for every hand that is lifted. God, give them that life. Help them, Lord God, to cross that line. Lord, whatever, whatever needs to be different in their life, you show it to them. But God, it's you. It's your energy. It's your grace that enables us. It's, it's you opening our eyes to see. That's what makes us different. So help us to see. Can we all, let's all just pray this right out loud. Not just the hands that are lifted, everybody. Let's all pray this. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for your sacrifice. You've given your all to me. Now I give my all to you. Amen. Let me just pray for you. Father, I just pray that every last one of us would live that life, would be different enough because we found the pearl. We pearl, we would, would be different enough that this world wouldn't, would sometimes not even understand us. But we'll be the happiest people on this planet. Thank you for your grace. We pray that in Jesus' name.